Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, hey Liverpool One Church, it's fantastic to see you all today. Why don't you go ahead and take your seat? It's great to have you all with us in church, wherever you're here from, whether you're just joining us and checking out church maybe for the first time today, I want to let you know that on behalf of all of our staff and team here, you're so welcome. Like we've built this thing with you in mind. We've designed this place with your, with your attendance in our hearts. And even if maybe this is your first time and you're not even sure what you feel about the Bible, what you feel about God, what you feel about any of the churchy type stuff, we want to let you know that at the outset, this whole thing is for you. You're so much a part of this thing. You're as much a part of today as those of us who come every single week, as those of us who've been coming here for years. And we want you to know that you are so included and we want you to enjoy your time in church with us today. You know, for the last few weeks, we've been in um, a series in church, which we've simply called At The Movies. And each week, what we've been doing is speaking off the back of a different film. We've been showing you some movie clips and we've been talking off the back of a different film because who knows that films are often themed and about subjects which mean a lot to every one of us. They're often about things that are common to every single one of us. And today is no different. But my prayer today is that these very ordinary words that I've got here would land in a place with you which are helpful, which are practical, which are maybe a bit inspirational. My prayer over this message as I've held the pieces of paper this week is that as we go through the next 20, 30 minutes and we just have a conversation, that the whisper of God would somehow apply to your life in a way that maybe you've never had that happen before. That's my prayer. And I believe it can happen because who knows, we serve a God who's alive. We serve a God who loves us. We serve a God who cares for us. But I don't think it happens by accident. I think it happens when we are intentional, when we position our hearts right. I think it happens when we ask him. So I just want to pray with us all and then we're going to get cracking. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you, God, that you are not a dead God. Thank you, God, that you are alive. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care about us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for every single one of us. And today, God, we want to let you know that we're here in church and our hearts are open. What's happened in our week, we choose to close the door on that just for a minute. We want to open our our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. We want you to whisper to our souls. We want you to heal us. We want you to strengthen us. We want you to guide us and inspire us to be better people. Lord, help my words land in a place which is super helpful to people today. And I ask all of this in the most precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we are a couple of weeks into our 
at the movies theme uh, series, and we've had some classics so far. We've we've had we've had Shawshank Redemption, we've had Hacksaw Ridge. We we've been going out on a limb. We've had some brilliant, brilliant movies that we've spoken off the back of, and we've had a great series so far. Now, today I want to introduce to you another film, which you could call a classic because it's quite old. It's actually 30 years old this year. So I chose it because I wanted to choose a film that was older than I was. And, um, and um, it's 30 years old this year, so you could call it a classic. It's a comedy. Um, it was released in 1993 and broke all sorts of box, box office records the year it was released. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend that you go and give it a watch because it is a really, really good watch. And today's film is Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. Now, the groans and the moans tell me that some of you have seen it, and the rest of you can catch up. Now, I've just got a short trailer to run, which will give you the gist as to what we're going to dive in and talk about today. So uh, if you fix your eyes on the screens, we're going to roll the video. So what you'll have seen there is Phil Connors, who is a sour weatherman. Now, he is sent every year to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, to cover what he calls it a story about a weather forecasting rat, as he calls it. Now, he, he, uh, he, it's his fourth year on the job. He makes no secret of the fact that he hates to go there. He makes absolutely no secret of the fact that he doesn't like the people or the small town. He can't stand the way they're all so happy. He doesn't like the way that they engage with the Groundhog Festival because every single year he gets sent back to the same place. Except this year, when he goes to sleep on the evening of Groundhog Day, he wakes up again the following day in his guest house, still in Groundhog Day. It's looped back. And at first, he puts it down to simple deja vu. But then, after it's happened a few more times, he starts to realize that it's happening again and again and again. And every single day, it loops back to the beginning of the day. But he's the only one who can see what's going on. At first, he tries to use this time loop that he's caught in to, like, manufacture the day to give him everything that he thinks will think will make him happy. Everything that he wants, all the money, all of the, all of the life that he feels will make him happy, at first, he uses his eternity stuck in this one day to get everything he thinks will be amazing. But eventually, he realizes that he is stuck doomed to spend the rest of eternity in this continuing time loop. And the cycle doesn't break, and the day doesn't stop starting again, and everything keeps on looping back around, and he realizes that he's going to be trapped there forever until he gets the day right. All the way through the film, he's the only one who can know what's going on. He's the only one who's aware that he's already lived this day countless times before, He's the only one who understands what's going on. He's the only one feeling the frustration. But still, his day is stuck. You ever feel a bit like Phil Connors? You ever feel a bit like your life is just stuck? Like you know where you want to be. Like you have a goal. You have a vision. You have a thing. You feel like you know what's in your future but you just can't seem to get there. You ever feel a bit like that? You have a thing, you have a vision, you have a dream, you have a goal, but nothing you seem to do 
brings it back around and you, you seem to feel like your life is just stuck. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe you've got a, a dream of being higher up on the pay scale or having that promotion and everybody else around you seems to get promoted and seems to get further on and seems to progress and seems to grow and you're the one that's still stuck at the level that you're at and there's nothing seems to move for you. Or maybe it's in your relationship. Are you the one who's like waiting for a partner? Are you waiting for a life partner? And all you see is people starting, starting dating, getting married, having babies, and you're just like, hello, like I am, I am desperate here. I am like hanging out for this. But all that happens is everybody else seems to do it and you're just stuck. Maybe it's in your finances. Is it the case for you that you've got a vision for your future? You've got a vision for how you want your finances to be. But no matter how much you try and get yourself on a budget, no matter how much you try and be careful and be, and be responsible with your money, and you are, it just never seems to add up. It never seems to happen for you. Maybe it's your health. Maybe your health condition is the thing that's holding you back from whatever it is you want to be in your future. But all you see is everybody else who's in great health, going out, living the dream, doing all the things that healthy people do, progressing in their life, but your health holds you back and you feel stuck. You know, there's so many things in our life that can cause us to feel this way. There's so many things that cause us to feel like life's just on pause, like we're just treading water, making absolutely no progress. There's just so many reasons why. That might be our reality. The toll of the daily grind for some of us just takes us by surprise. It takes us down. It means that all of our efforts, in exactly the same way as Phil Connors, it means that our, our, our self-care and our relationships and every other area of life that's around us, all the people who are close to us, it means that they all suffer because the toll of the daily grind just makes us so low. We just feel stuck in where we're at. And it's exactly the same with our faith lives also. When we are stuck in our life, all the energy and all the hard work and all the efforts that we put into trying to fix that thing that seems to be broken means that that's where our energy goes, that's where our time goes, that's where our efforts go, and what we find is our relationship with God and our faith life just starts to fall down that priority list. And sometimes it can just fade away. And you know, this is really common. I read a report this week which said the statistics aren't good. A recent study has found that 69% of people, 69% feel trapped in the same old routine. It found that only three out of 10 people are happy with their lives. Three out of 10. Do you know what that means? That means that it's highly likely that either you feel this way or someone you care about and love does. Like, those statistics aren't great. So today, I want to just spend the next few minutes answering this question. What do I do when life feels stuck? What do I do when life feels stuck? What do I do? What happens if I feel like I'm in Groundhog Day? What, what happens if I feel like every day is the same and I never seem to make any progress and I never seem to get anywhere? Like, what happens? Because you might feel as if you've got so much more in your future. 
You might feel as if you've got loads to go out in life and, and big dreams and big visions and big goals, but they never seem to happen. Well, I think in order to answer that question, what do we do when life feels stuck? I think, first of all, we have to work out these two things. Where do you want to be and how do you want to get there? Where do you want to be in life and how are you going to get there? Because if we can work out those two things, then that could help put us on the path to get to where we want to go to. That could help start to kind of shape the road to our future, couldn't it? You know, just last week, I um, asked my three-year-old, Elsie, what she wants to be when she grows up. And bear in mind, she's about to be four in September, so she's got a bit of an idea about her future, clearly. And um, she tells me that she either wants to be an astronaut or a fruit bat. <laughs> so she's got some work to do. Now I'm looking at her differently. Like, when she's eating her fruit, I'm just like, that's, that's excellent, that's great. She's just working on her career. But, but like... But like, I feel like the best way to get where you want to be in life is to spend time with God and ask him what he wants for your life. I feel like that's the best way to work out where you want to be. We, we, should, we, should, we should open ourselves up to him and ask for his direction and ask for him to speak to us and ask for, for him to guide us in where we ought to be in life. And if I'm really honest, that's what I want for my little girl. I, I want her to grow up to have a relationship with Jesus so that as she grows up, she understands that she can talk to him and she can ask him and she can find out as she matures, where does God want me to be? Where does God want my life to be? And then she can find out from him and then it's up to her to put herself on the right path to get herself there. Just like it says in Proverbs 21 verse 5 where, where we read, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. God says, I want you to come and spend time with me. I, I, I've got a dream for you. I, 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 want you to, I want you to come and listen to me. I want you to come and be at one with me. I know where I want you to be, and I'll tell you where you want to be going in life. I'll give you your God direction. I'll make, I'll make all that clear. But then he says, but it's up to you to put a plan in place to get yourself there because we've got free will. He says, Good planning helps get you to where you want to be. Bad planning just doesn't, and no planning never will. You know, I used to have um, a boss who used to say all the time, he used to say, um, if you fail to plan, you'll plan to fail. And, and I used to think, oh, that's pretty cool. And I realized God said it first. He, he got that from God. And just like this week, I'm like, no, you're, a, you're a fraud. God said that first. But it's true. God says, come and spend time with me and I'll help you figure out who you want to be, but then it's up to you to get yourself on the right path, to get yourself there. Proverbs 4, 26 tells us this, consider well and watch carefully the path of your feet. God says, that's the part I want you to start thinking about. I want you to start thinking about the path of your feet because you're going to make some choices to get yourself on the right path. He's saying, I'll show you where you want to go, but then what I need you to do is to start considering well the path of your feet. So we need to be really careful about some of the choices that we make, because throughout our days, our weeks, our months, we're going to make choices. We're going to make hundreds, if not thousands of choices. And each one of those choices is either going to lead us closer to where we want to go, or further away from where we want to go. 
but they're going to lead us somewhere. And we get to choose because we all have a free will. You know, I don't know how you work, but I like to see examples. I like to look at examples of um, real life. And so I, I like to have the point shown to me and uh, explained to me. So uh, it's just the way I work. So what I want to do is have a look at a real life example of a guy who I feel like knew what it was to feel stuck. I feel like even though he knew where he was headed, he didn't understand how he was always going to get there. And even though he knew the plan, somehow along the way, I feel like there's a really good argument to say that he would have felt like he was stuck. I'm guessing that most of us here will probably know who the character of David is in the Bible. And even if you don't know all of the details about him, you'll probably know a few of his highlights, things like he killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. But killing the giant was not David's biggest achievement in life because David was the youngest of eight brothers. And um, he was the farmhand. He was the shepherd boy. He was out in the field looking after the family sheep and goats. That's where he'd spend his days, out in the hills somewhere, just looking after the sheep and goats, making sure that no harm came to them, making sure that everything was going well with all his father's livestock. When he was about 10 years old, God sent the prophet Samuel to his house to anoint him as king. Jesse, his dad, put forward every other one of David's brothers first, and God said no to every individual one of them. And then when he ran out of boys to, 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 to put forward to Samuel, Samuel says, is there no one else? And Jesse's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, there's David. Yeah, he's out in the field somewhere. He says, go and get him. So David comes before him and he says, he's the one. He's the one I'm going to anoint. So God says, God says, that's it. And he anoints him to be king. And it's about the age of 10, which is a bit crazy, really, because he was like, he was a small boy at the time, but, but he was still anointed that he was going to be king. But David wasn't crowned straight away. In fact, he had to wait roughly another 20 years before that would come true. But the point is, he always knew his calling. He always knew his future. He always knew what his God-shaped direction was. He knew where he was headed because God had chosen him when he was young. And one day, he knew he was going to be king. So what I want to just look at today is how that process played out, how those 20 years played out, because there's no way he could have known at the time when he was anointed that it was going to take 20 years to get himself there. There's no way he could have known that. So what I would assume is through the passage of those 20 years that there would have been times when he would have thought, I feel a bit like not getting anywhere. I feel like this guy comes to the house. He tells me, he tells me that I'm going to be the king, but here I am still in a field. How many times must he have lay in the field looking after those sheep and goats? And he's like, God, where are you? Like, where are you? He came to the house. He told me what my future was. I believe in you. But how many times late at night must he have lay there thinking, here I am surrounded by sheep and goats again. So many sheep, so many goats. If I never see another sheep again, I'll be fine. But here I am. But how many times must that have happened before he actually was, was to become the king? And it could be the same for us because if we feel like our lives are in Groundhog Day, if we feel like we're just repeating the same thing, over and over again, 
it can be so easy for us to just get discouraged on the journey. It can be so easy for us to just lose sight of what the goal is along the way. It can be so easy over our 20 years, over David's 20 years, we're roughly the same, that you've found out what your goal is, but it can so easily feel like it's never gonna happen, like it's just stuck. So let's see in David's life if there were things we can learn from his choices and his decisions over that course of time that kept him moving all the way from the pasture to the palace. So I want to get really practical today. I love a message that's really practical. I want you to be able to take away something that you're going to be able to use, some tools in your hand that you're going to be able to understand and use to get you going again if your life feels stuck today. I want to give you a framework to follow. So if you're taking notes, the first thing to write down is this. We're going to start small. We're going to start small. Some of the ideas I'm going to talk to you about today are from a book called Atomic Habits by a guy called James Clear, and it's a fantastic book. I'd really encourage you to read it. I've been going through it again recently, and it's really been helping me um, because I feel like some of the things that I do almost aren't that great. I feel like I'm the type of person that would say, um, I want to read more books. I want to grow myself and read more books. I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to read two books a week between now and the end of the year. And then I get four days in, I've read three chapters, I beat myself up because I'm so far behind, and then I quit. <laughs> That's what I tend to do because I start too big. I, I, I go at it too big. I just start, I start with the dream. I don't start with a bite-sized amount. Here's what he says in his book. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you want to become. No single thing will transform you. But as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. Small habits can make a meaningful difference by providing evidence of a new identity. And if change is meaningful, it is actually big. That's the paradox of making small improvements. Isn't that great? Like, you know what that means? That means what he's saying is any change you make, no matter how small, that points you towards the direction you want to go is good. He's saying even if you make just a small change to position yourself to not go there, but to go there, no matter how small, that's a good thing. That's going to take you. And the more small changes that you make, the quicker you're going to get there. So hold on to that thought. Hold on to that. Small changes make a big difference. Hold on to that thought. Let's look at David, a shepherd who's been anointed to become king, but then the guy who told him left the house and there's been radio silence ever since. Now he's just on his own somewhere in a field with a sheep. So it would be easy to understand how David could have felt stuck and forgotten by God. But let's see what happens roughly 10 years after Samuel visits the house. We're going to start reading in uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. So, now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. Saul's the current king. And the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, and he will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, 
One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of God. He's got good judgment. He's a fine-looking young man, as if that matters. And, and the Lord is with him. So, so Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son, David, the shepherd. Jesse responds by sending David to Saul along with a goat, a donkey loaded with bread, a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. So Saul's suffering with depression and fear. Saul's got all these issues going on in his own life. And of all the people in the whole region, who gets suggested to help him but David? Like, what happened there? Who, why would David be the only one who gets suggested? What happens after 10 years? Well, I think there must be something about David. There must be some choices that he made. There must have been something that he did. There must have been something about the way that that guy grew himself up, that he made some choices and formed some habits and eventually positioned him in the right place to get employed by the king when the time was right. So what I want to know is, what I think is, David knew what we're talking about. David knew how to start small. I think he understood what it meant to form small, God-honoring, good habits. He knew how to make those choices um, because what we read is, uh, we read that he was wise. We read that he had good judgment. We read that he was brave and that God was with him. I think David lived a life making seemingly insignificant small decisions that added up and made him a man fit to work with kings. I think that's what happened in the life of him. When he could have gone out partying with the other boys, he chose to stay home and practice music. When he could have said yes to some things and he knew how to say no to other things, he was growing his good judgment. When he chose to stay humble and still look after his father's sheep, even in the face, that he was, even in the knowledge that he was going to be king one day, he could have just come, I'm going to be royalty. I'm looking after another sheep. Get, 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 get another shepherd. He stayed humble and did what was right for years and years and years, even knowing that God had promoted him to be king. He chose to worship God and not to hustle. He chose to hold God as the one that was important and hold God as the one who directed his future and not to fight and strive and try and hustle his way there all by himself. And it says that the Lord was with him. These are all small choices. These, these, are, these are just small choices just to choose to be humble and, 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 out, and outlast the test of time. But you know what you get when you add all those things up? You get a man whose life is going somewhere. Believe me, church, if you feel stuck today, if you feel like your life's on pause, you can learn from David. Start small. Start, start making some small changes that will set you on the path to who you want to become. Say you want to get closer to God. Say, say you want to just go, I want to get closer to God. And you're just like, how on earth? That seems like such a daunting task. You know, if you prayed for one minute a day and you read the Bible for one minute a day, that's two minutes a day. You know what you'd have done in two years? You'd have spent more than 24 hours in communion with your heavenly father. You're telling me you won't feel closer to God? Start small. Start really small. 
I'm not telling you to start small because some guy who wrote a really great book says to start small. I'm saying that because that's what God says. Listen to Zechariah verse 4, verse 10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do you know what happens in heaven when you make a small God-honoring choice? God goes, hey, everyone, gather round. He just started. She just started. They just made some small choices. I think they can stick with it this time. I think this is going to work out really great for them. Come and see, everyone. Like, he rejoices when we start to make some small God-honoring choices. So we're going to start small because big changes can happen from small choices and small God-honoring decisions. We're also going to stay faithful while we wait. Stay faithful while we wait. When we feel as if our lives are stuck, there can come a point where we feel as if we've got to make some drastic changes and like shake ourselves free and shake ourselves out of our day. In Groundhog Day, that's exactly what we saw Phil Connors do. He went to every conceivable length to try and break that cycle of his day that kept on coming around and force his way out of that day. But nothing worked. How often do we do the same? We strive and fight and hustle and backbite and stand on people's legs and stand on people's shoulders and trip people up with our words and our actions just to try and get ourselves a bit further down the line. But all that is just our way of taking control. Everything there on that list is just a way of us just forcing our way to take control. But what if there was another way? Well, what did David do? He remained faithful The whole time, he understood that God had said, one day you'll be king. And there wasn't a force on heaven or earth that could stop it because God said so. So all he had to do was wait faithfully. He just had to be faithful. He just had to wait out the rest of the time until it happened. So what do we do to stay faithful? Like practically, how does that look? We keep the intimacy with God We keep talking, we keep reading his word, we keep asking him for what we need and telling him what we need. We speak to him regularly, he made you, he loves you, he wants to hear from you. Tell him how you feel because he wants to be involved in your life. Tell him him through your prayers, be open with him. I can imagine David's prayer, God, this is a long wait, this is really long, but I trust you, I'm choosing to trust you. I don't see any sign of what you said coming true but I'm just being honest, I'm just being open, I'm just letting you know, I'm struggling here, please help me. Always be open with God. And we've also got to commit for the long haul, that's what it looks like to be faithful. Just commit and buy in for the long haul. Like, I, I think David knew how to do this. I, I, like, I see this all over his story. He just committed for the long haul. He worked in the fields for years. He fought animals and kept the livestock safe for years. He sang songs to God and worshipped him and developed his musicianship on the harp for years. He didn't do all those things for days or weeks or months. He did them for years and he was always committed for the long haul, every single time. So we're going to start small and we're going to remain faithful. And then lastly today, we're going to keep going. We are going to keep going. We're going to stick at it. We're never going to stop. Pastor Craig Rochelle says this, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. 
You want to see someone who's successful at something? You show me someone who's really, really successful at something, and I'll show you that they have been doing something consistently, making great choices over a long period of time to get themselves there. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we are going to reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. God says, if you'll start spending some time with me, then I'm going to show you where I want to be. And if you're willing to make some good choices and then choose to stick with it, there's going to come a day when you look back and go, wow, I am reaping a harvest of my life because God took a small change and made a massive difference with it. That's what happens. The truth is, David wasn't ready to be king at age 10. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even, wasn't even on his horizon, but he understood that starting small and being faithful was always going to deliver if he stayed the path, if he kept on going. You know, throughout my life, I've always been an all-in kind of person. I've always been the kind of person where if you've got my attention with a task or a project or something, if I'm in... I will make the thing work or I will literally die trying. Like, that's just the type of person that I've always been. Which wasn't great before I had a relationship with Jesus because it kind of got me in a lot of bother. But anyway, come to 2010 when a group of 12 of us sat around in the living room and we prayed that if it was possible that God would use us to change lives for Christ one life at a time in Liverpool, I knew for me, I was all into that. I knew back then at day one, this is significant. This is something that I need to be all in for. Because up until that point in my life, I tried really hard to find happiness all the ways that I knew how. And I'd fought to get everything I had and I'd worked really hard to make myself a success. I'd realized that I was all in to me. But it was about time that I went all in for something else. And something told me that this was going to be really significant for me in my life. But I wasn't ready to do this back then. So I had to make some changes. I had to make some small changes. I started to talk to God a lot. He must have got fed up listening listening to me. It was like, I need this and I need that and I need the other. It was like verbal diarrhea. But I started to talk to him a lot. I started to try and do my best to love on other people. Was I good at it? No. I sucked at it loads of times. But I read somewhere once that success starts with sucks, so I was okay. And I just carried on going. And I was just like, okay, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just carry on. But I did all those things because my life was pretty well stuck at that point in time. I wasn't going anywhere. But I'd had a glimpse of my future. And I knew that if I was willing to make some small choices and stay faithful and then see them through for the long haul and commit to the journey, I knew that God was going to do some incredible things down the line. And I look back now and I go, I've had blessings. I've had miracles. I've had all this stuff happen and I am reaping a harvest because God took some small changes and over time, which made a massive difference in my life. And that's how this thing works. And I'm telling you, church, this is true. If you're faithful and if you're trustworthy and if you do the right thing for long enough, 
with a good heart, great things are going to happen in your life. It did for David because five years further down the story in 2 Samuel 5, our shepherd boy's groundhog day was over and he was sat on the throne and crowned king. God took his small choices and saw his faithfulness and his willingness to commit for the long haul. And everything came good on his journey from the pasture to the palace. Everything worked out for him. So what about you? What about you today? Is your life stuck? Do you know someone whose life is stuck? Maybe it's you. You might go, well, it's okay for David. He, he wasn't me. He, 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 wasn't, he didn't do what I did. He, he, he was, you know, I know my story. I don't see him having done any of these things. Well, you know, I wasn't perfect either. I, like, I, made, I made a proper mess of some stuff as well. But God used me and he will use you too. In fact, he's desperate to use you. He loves you. He made you. He wants to use you as part of his plan to save society, to save humanity. He really does. And you need to realize today, there's a common misconception that you need to be perfect. You don't need to be perfect because God's speciality is using really, really ordinary people. Just look at me. I am nothing special, but God used me and he'll use you. So if you're willing to start small and you're willing to stay faithful and commit for the long haul and keep going, I guarantee you the future you is going to be really glad you did. Church, time's gone. We're going to pray. If you do me the honor of standing with me and the band are going to come and they're going to sing once more. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that you have spoken today. God, I pray that if there are those here now or watching online, God, who just feel like their life is stuck, God, I pray that you will allow us to find you, that as we seek you and we spend time looking for you, God, that you will be found by us like it says you will in your word when we seek you with all of our hearts and want to change and want to grow and want to get unstuck that God you'd show us a direction and that we will be able to make those small choices God and we'll be able to be faithful God and we'll be able to commit for the long haul and when we do that God I pray that you will cause freedom to happen in this place that people will say look at what God's done when I made a small choice and I stayed faithful, look at what God's done. God, I pray that's the testimony that comes out of today. I pray that today is significant. I pray that today we don't forget what we've heard from you. Lord Jesus, allow us to grow and allow us to be unstuck in our lives from this point on in the name of Jesus. Amen. And just with every eye still closed, Maybe you've heard all that today and you thought, well, that all sounds pretty good, but there's one choice that you need to start with. It's, it's a small choice, but it's the best choice. You might not know who God is. You might go, this all sounds great, but I don't know who he is. Well, I'm going to pray one more super short prayer. And if that's you in this place, then you can start your journey to the best days of your life by just praying this prayer in your heart after me. Okay, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you, God, and we haven't spoken in a while maybe, but God, I want to make a choice that I want you to live in my life. 
God, I want to invite you to come and live on the inside of me. I've heard some stuff today and it's made a lot of sense, but I don't know you. So God, I want to get to know you. Lord, I want you to forgive me of the things I've done wrong and I want you to come and live in my heart because today I want to start my journey on the way to eternity and I want to make sure it's a Jesus-shaped life that I want to live. Would you come, would you live in my heart and would you bless me? In the name of Jesus and everyone in Liverpool One Church said, Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.